0: I got to have at least one. Is there a turkey story? Is there something? Okay, I got it. I got it. I know what it is.
1: I got it. I got it. First trip up, uh, Mark's all excited. He can't sleep. He doesn't sleep all night. He gets up that morning. He's throwing up in the yard. He's so nervous about taking me there. I was like, oh my gosh, you need to get a grip." And he's like, I do it every time. I I get so nervous.
0: This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Mossy Oak.
2: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. This is episode number 162, and it's a Land Lover special.
0: That's right. I'm excited because we have a full house. We got a lot of special guests. (laughs) Everybody's special but Tim and I. So he's Tim Chelswick. I'm Matt Drury. We got Mark Drury in studio today, and we got some special guests calling in via Zoom.
2: Yeah, we've got Toxie Hayes, CEO of Mossy Oak, and Chris Hawley, the president of Mossy
0: Oak, Properties and Terry Drury and Terry. <laughs> Drury <laughs> can't forget the old man joined, winner.
2: joining us remotely. So it's definitely a stacked house. Welcome aboard, everybody. What's up, guys?
3: Good morning. Glad to be here. Thank you having us. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So we're excited because this we've like Tim said we've done 160 plus episodes, but we've never had the the. I guess. It's a power play show. Toxie's on. That's a special episode for us. (laughs) We've got, we've had cuz on a lot. We're going to have him on again next week, actually. (laughs) And he's always a good guest, but to get Toxie. I'm looking forward to jumping right into it and kind of hearing the story of how you guys first met Mark Toxie. I think it was the two of you, right?
4: It it was down in, in, uh, Natchez, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had won a calling contest that day, and I was doing an interview with uh, uh, a writer from the the Clarion Ledger, if I'm not mistaken, by the name of the paper. I think his name was Bobby Cleveland, and I uh, was talking That's to him. him. What's that? That's him. That's him. Okay, so this yep. is 1989, February 1989, and um, I didn't know what Toxie looked like. You know, I had no idea, and I'm I'm doing this interview, and all of a sudden, this guy walks over there, and he goes, "Hey, hey." You know, Toxie's, you know, fashion. He goes, uh, what kind of camouflage do you wear? And I said, actually, I just bought a set of mossy oak. I mail ordered it off of uh, the back cover of the Turkey Call magazine. And he goes, I'm Toxie Hazy Inventor. I'd like to talk to you when you're done with this gentleman right here. <laughs> and that's that's how we met. And, uh, you know, it goes back to my old buddy Joe Sexar. I was hunting with him at the time, and he was like, you need to buy this set of mossy oak. It just came out, mm-hmm. you know, and he was showing it to me. But I met Toxie that day. And, um, I, it wasn't, but a few weeks later I was at his house staying with he and Diane for my spring break. I
1: said, <laughs> wow. do you care if I come because, down?
4: And, uh, he said, come on. So that's what I did.
1: In, in typical fashion. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I did, I did go look him up cause I had someone there. I kind of trusted in the Turkey world said, you need to go talk to this. He said, are you signing up? You know, or are you aligning yourself with people? I was like, yeah. When, you know, when I think they're worth it or. You know, uh, I think one of the few people we'd actually kind of aligned with before anything was Will Primos at the time. Mm. And, I, you know, it wasn't much after that that it was just his mark and this. But he asked me, he said, hey, I want to come. I got my spring break in a couple of weeks. I'll volunteer. I'll come work for free just to learn what goes on because I want to get out someday. I want to work in an outdoor company. And actually, when he left that week, he stayed at the house. Sir Francis was just a little baby. I still remember. That's how far back it goes. And when he left... He said, hey, when I graduate, I'm coming to work for you, okay? I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know. And so we stayed in touch, and you know, I came up there, and we did some stuff. And then I remember getting the call. And he said, hey, I just graduated. Where do I go? I was like, what now? He said, wait a minute. Now we have a deal. You go, I'm going to work for you, are And so we actually thought about it a little bit what would be best. He could work out in Missouri. He went to work selling Mossy Oak and pioneered actually Mossy Oak and the dealer network in that part of the world. Right out of college. Nah. And so the point in saying it sometimes, and I guess we're both kind of bragging it because we're proud of it, is that the relationship goes back so much further than people think. It's not like, oh, wow, the Drury's are such a big deal. And they signed with Masio, who sponsors all this stuff. And it goes back. It's just, it is literally as family as anything that we have as a brand. And, it has stood the test of time from trials and tribulations. And, you know, one of those things I say all the time about great relationship, it's not so you never fight. It's so that you can, you know, <laughs> just like we've, just we've had our ins and outs, but we've stuck through thick and thin and always will. I'm as confident in the relationship uh, with the Drury family as anything we do at the Hayes family and the Mossy Oak family.
0: These roots run very deep. And, uh, Terry, I'd like to hear your perspective of – that time because was Mark also kind of working for you in the construction side of things?
5: He, he was, he was, and he was just a tremendous laborer. Let me tell you <laughs> yeah. when he was in a trench, buddy, there was rocks flying. But one day we were on a project and he was down in a trench. We were laying, uh, if I remember it was either potable water or sanitary sewer and it was hot. It was dusty. He was a mess sweating. And he had on a uh, Ralston Purina hat and a headband, you know, and uh, if I remember correctly, one of the another contractor came up and said that that Cecil Carter had called for you, Mark, from AMS. Tom eventually. Mannion. Tom
4: Mannion did for, with Bloomsday. Tom X, Mannion but, came up and, yep.
5: and told you that. So Mark jumped out of the trench. He got in his car and he drove down the road dust flying and he never came back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: True story, Harry. I'm sorry, I never knew that part of the story. I wouldn't have stolen it, but I know you, That's you never a true story. That.
0: I think it worked out for everybody.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think so. it did. You know, I guess a great point for me here is like you just never know until you look back in life that God was planting a seed for bigger things. Like we talked about in the original podcast episode here with with Chris and I actually his father-in-law and my dad met like 60 something years ago and became mm-hmm. fast friends. And actually because of them, all of this other happened in the relationship we have with the families and they now mostly property. So you never know, Mark, that by chance meeting in Natchez that day, that God had a planted a seed. Of course, we got to make sure we don't screw it up either <laughs> uh, in life, but the things that have happened and um, it's just, it's, hard for me to put in words how special the relationship is here both places and especially with the Drew family because you know we're not sitting here with you guys every day uh and that could be a time lapse when we don't and even though we don't always agree and we have to kind of honestly by nature to be a healthy relationship we kind of have to go back and forth sometimes Mm -hmm. it's always there and it means so much to me and everybody here because it is just something we can count on. You know, you don't get a lot of security in life anymore, especially in the day and age we live in and to have that relationship. I hope it inspires a few people to, you know, have those kind of relationships in their life and their business that we've had, because it's made for a great life. Bart, Terry,
5: Ours is cherished. And you know what, Toxie, the best is yet to come. We're not done. I think we've got a lot of giving back to do, you know, we've done some, but there's always, there's always more. So we want to continue giving back and, and try to be the best that we can be every day. And the relationship is one of those that we cherish deep in our hearts and and family. You use the word family. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. It is, it is family to us.
0: I, th- I think that's a great jumping off point because the other purpose, I love hearing the old stories and we're going to keep getting into some of these, but the other purpose of us joining up today was to talk about those relationships. Toxie mentioned the one with him and Chris and, and their families and how Mossy Oak Properties kind of came to be there. And the three of us, the three groups, Drew Outdoors, Mossy Oak, Mossy Oak Properties, we're teaming up. And, and doing some cool things here coming up. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And one of the things that we're going to be doing is highlighting a piece of property on the podcast from time to time. And uh, so I wanted to introduce the Moss Yoke Properties Landline feature where we jump into a piece, this piece, this week. I think Chris chose it, you know, because we could talk about it pretty eloquently. It's a 248 acre piece there in Sullivan County that Terry knows all too well. So let's jump into that. And get through it so we can get back to the fun stories that that Toxie, Terry, Mark have about each other, because I know they're deep and long.
5: Well, and and this uh, thank you to Oak Properties, obviously, with Chris and, and Toxie and you guys. But this, in my opinion, is a whitetail mecca. It's one of the most diverse pieces of property that the Midwest has to offer in northern Missouri there. It uh, has a big, huge, expansive block of hardwood timbers with a mass crop uh on a western ridge and then to the east there's uh, mature cedar thickets with warm season grasses and a, a just a ton of bedding like a, a romper room and then both of those kind of sandwich or bookend this big expansive bottom field that you can plant lots of corn lots of beans and lots and lots of biologic and uh alongside of this field there's a gorgeous creek that runs uh north to south along that western ridge the base of that ridge Uh, This thing, in my opinion, is uh, just an absolute romper room. And I say that because the deer have called it home and we've been hunting it now for three years and getting really, really acclimated and intimate with it. But I think Forrest, my farm manager, all total has picked up, he just picked up two or three the other day. We were stabbing beans in with the RTP groundbreaker and he picked up two or three on the field there. But I think he's up to 57 or 58 shed antlers in two seasons, in two falls. So that gives you an idea of what type of concentration it is. It's the highest shed per acre farm that I've ever walked on, and, and maybe Mark too. I, we've never found that kind of ratio to my knowledge, Mark, but this one is a, a whitetail mecca.
4: The only thing it has more than sheds is turkeys gobbling.
5: <laughs> no, there's a lot of birds on it. A lot of turkeys. Okay, okay, okay. You got my attention now. I knew that would get his attention. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you know, Chris, when, when we kind of got together and we're coming up with ideas, what what kind of spurred your interest in and in kind of going down this path at, with Mossy Oak properties and and kind of getting the word out on some of these types of pieces that you guys have uh available?
3: Well, man, let me go back first. first is, is you know, the relationship has gone back for just forever. And, you know, it was a perfect fit for us, obviously, to to do it in and you know it goes back to the, the whole family issue, the faith, all our values align so well that it was a it was an easy decision for us to to make that decision and say hey, who better to spread the word because you know what y'all value is the same thing that we value right there, and it's all built on the
1: relationships. It does. It's, it's ironic too. I want to say this before we even talk about that property that it turns out after all these years uh, since that you know I first met Mark and then Terry and uh, even when we got to go our separate ways, our first love has always been the dirt, every time. And the obsession and the whole piece of the Moss Hill brand has evolved where that, obviously, without that, we don't have any bows and guns and boots and all this other, even the seed and biologic and the trees is native nurture. We don't have any of that without the dirt. It all starts with the dirt. And so it was such a perfect place for us to align with the whole Drury Outdoors team and Moss Hill Properties because it is, if you leave, I can promise you right now, if you leave me and Mark and Terry and Chris, if you just leave us alone, there's nothing else to do. You got, you're going to go to your place and work on your farm at your first love. And 100%. that's also why these places we talk about have had so much tender love and care are such great uh, properties because I've been up there, and your part of the world has the most productive for acre wildlife uh, places I've ever seen in America. It's amazing. It, it's just amazing. it yeah, talks
3: when we all get around together and talk, the first thing, I mean, we're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about other mm. things. But then it's going to migrate to talking about our place and what we're doing on it. And, you know, being able to share that with the family is pretty cool. So it's a common denominator that we have and have with, also with y'all. So.
0: So so Chris, even though, you know, we've we've gone through the last few months been a real rough stretch for the country, but we see, you know, stock markets kicking back into full gear. You know, what do you guys see on the land sales side of things? Is it is it, you know, back to full strength? Did it ever miss a beat? What what are you seeing out there?
3: Well, so Matt, it's really crazy because our folks have never been busier and we're talking to them every day. Probably had three or four conversations on the way to Westport today and There is a huge demand. You know, it was growing, but there's a huge demand for everybody wanting to have their own place, open spaces. You know, something they can share with their family. And I think, you know, we've seen this when we've had, um, I guess, issues that have popped up in the past. You know, we had the recession in 08 or '89. When we came out of that, we were stronger. There was more demand of the demand for properties to own and to be able to share with the family that space. Is pretty awesome and and you know it's it's growing all the time. Uh, challenging and and when this first hit, uh, everything's closed down to get properties closed. That was a challenge. Our folks were so creative about getting things done. We had drive by showings and drive by closings and all those things right there. But things are kind of getting back to normal as as far as that goes. So demand's great. We think it's going to be a huge 2020 2021.
2: Nice. I tell you what, like if people look at their four hundred one k statement here recently and they see just what they lost, and versus what you would have if you had invested in land, it just it's not nearly as volatile as as the four as just the retirement market in general.
3: Hey,
5: I got a I've got a question for Chris. You know, Chris, a lot of guys can't take down a parcel on their own. So, do you guys uh, recommend little? I'm going to say little partnerships between two or three guys, if they can't take down a, let's say that this piece, for example, I know Mark and I started with some really, really small pieces. You know, we were looking at 30 acres or 50 acres or 60 acres. And then we tried, you know, developing those pieces, hunting them for a while, and then ultimately turned them into a a little bit bigger parcel. Uh, Do you have any recommendations for people that are, that are looking and feel like they can't do it, but maybe they can?
3: Well, Terry, I think, you know, there's there's so many opportunities. And if you go to our website and look, you know, they're, we're all in close-up. I mean, we've got parts of the country where, you know, folks are buying 10, 20-acre tracks, and that's kind of a starting point for them right there that they can add on to it. Maybe partnering with a family where brothers may get together and buy a parcel of land and, you know, to get kind of what you said, like you and Mark started, we all did, is a starting point right there. You know, to get just start, you know, accumulating a little little land and uh you know we see um you know groups going together maybe three or four folks going in together and then again buying a parcel of land that they can add to it so there's so many opportunities
1: for folks just to get this started yeah and i think the one thing i noticed all the time over over the, our history is that so so many people it just in their mind if they never owned land before they think that okay this is a eight hundred thousand dollar piece of land and I've got to have I mean I don't have eight hundred thousand dollars. What am I even thinking about it for? There's just and I'm not encouraging people to be frivolous with borrowing money, but it's never been a better time than right now to look at that and to money is never gonna be cheaper than it is right now. So hmm. you know you you do not have in fact it's probably not smart in a lot of cases to just completely pay cash for something. They just don't even understand how easy it might can be But they've got to sit down and look at everything and make a plan. And as you said, uh, you know, maybe go in together with a couple other people and then you've got multiple people on that note. But uh, you don't have to have a million dollars to own a million dollar piece of land. And people lose sight of that sometimes. And again, a good, trusted broker can help walk you through exactly how to make it happen.
5: I
2: started. Going Does down. seem
5: lending right now is is at a uh, all time low as far as the interest rates are concerned. And boy, oh boy, a guy that is thinking about oh. it or sitting on the fence would have to think awful hard to say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to my banker and see just exactly how much I could borrow, and it would not put me in in a precarious position or put me in a little bit of a bind with my family. But uh, I know I we try and encourage it, you know, because that's that's maybe the most frequent question that we get asked is about how, you know, how to start.
0: Well, one, one way to look at it, you know, <clears throat> home, the like home sales are through the roof right now too, and values are going up. So you might have equity in your home where you could go to your bank and say, Hey, could I take out a home equity line of credit, a HELOC? And, you know, that's what I did. And and that's, you know, you, you might be able to pull another 40 grand or that gets you that start. You know, and you said the interest rates are so low. You just need that little bit of cash to get started, get rolling, and and take it from there.
3: Yeah, Matt. when I bought my first piece of property, me and Peggy had just got married. Couldn't afford to make a mortgage payment. We were actually renting an apartment at that time. And I remember walking out of the clothes, and I was so excited to walk in there knowing that I was going to own my first piece of property. And when I walked out of there, I broke out in a sweat and said, "How in the world am I going to pay for that?" So anyway, but it all worked out. So
1: you know, I, I noticed too. We've helped so many people over history, and even here at the company, that didn't think, "Well, I can." They just grow up with the mindset, "I'm not a landowner. I can't own land." And I've never seen anybody, no matter how much they had to maneuver or partner or borrow, I've never seen them regret. Almost a hundred percent are like, "I'm so." It's like the best thing I've ever did, not just from an investment standpoint, but with my life. You know, how it enriches their life to have their own spot and their own place. And I preach it all the time. It could be four acres. It could be 40. It could be 400. It really doesn't matter. It's like you only get those m- few moments in life. You know, it's going to be a blinking while we go, at least this earth. And there's almost nothing that will add value to the family and to your life like having your own piece of dirt somewhere, somehow. And today's, I think it kind of started with 911 and people of wealth started powering down so much of like, you know, traveling the world and going to resorts and stuff. And they started making it a, a priority to have their own place. It started then, but it's really accelerating in the age we live in. We're in this business of selling people space, and space is going to become, um, it's not going away. That is going to become a wave of the future more and more and more. We're already seeing it right now in the real estate business it's not necessarily always buying a couple thousand acres although we do a lot of that too it's just giving everybody a chance to have their own space it's
0: a commodity space
4: (laughs)
1: Yep, they're not
4: making
0: any more of
1: it no so uh, so how, how
2: do people engage with mossy oak properties do you do you have local agents that know the because every region hunts and lays out so differently how do you ensure that you have people that are there and know the area that people are looking in
3: is. so we have uh, approximately 100 offices scattered across the country in different states, right there. Of course, our biggest, you know, uh, method of marketing is our multifamilyproperties.com website. If somebody's interested, they can go in there. They can locate an office, or either they can start looking for properties right there. And that's that's probably going to be the easiest way to get started. Uh, you, know, you know, you mentioned something earlier about relationships, and this whole business is built on relationships. So the quicker they can get to an agent you know, with most real properties kind of tell them what their needs are, what they're looking for, then it just, it will speed up the process. Mm-hmm.
0: I think in that regard too, it, it is like uh, purchasing a home. You want to have your loan and, and kind of all that figured out with your banker ahead of time so that, cause stuff can move pretty fast. So if you're watching that market, trying to time it to say, Oh, I found a piece. You really want to have all your cards laid out there already knowing what you can afford and having all that paperwork kind of ready so that you can jump on a piece of property because if it's, it, it, you know, especially if you're looking for a deal, any piece of property that's a deal won't last long. That's typically the case. Oh, that the is the truth. Is right. Well,
1: the other thing too, if you've got a good trusted agent, you're working with, They'll have you tie that down and give you time to do all that. So you might, you know, if, if the owner, the landowner and you want to buy something, they, they'll typically work with you if you need 30 to 60 even days to close uh, and get everything, you know, lined up that you need.
2: Chris, you you mentioned, uh, com. I was on there and it is a rabbit hole. I started going into <laughs> all these different and, and just on the, just on the, the front page, the home page alone, there was a one acre piece and then there was all the way up to 300 and something acres. Like there was something for pretty much anyone in there. It wasn't all 2000 acres in Iowa. It was very, there were a lot of reasonable properties in there. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All in the close. So there's, there's, Really, in every state, there's a wide variety of sizes. And so that's the reason, you know, somebody go on the site, if they kind of, if they're looking and know what they're looking for, and then, you know, find that agents representing that property and, and
1: start building the relationship. So, uh, you know, go ahead. Well, I
0: was going to say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put the, in the show notes, we'll put the link to uh, Mossy Oak Properties, we'll put a link to this specific. Two forty eight that we were highlighting, um, but if, if you guys have any more to add, let's do it now and then jump back into some of these fun stories because that's <laughs> I, I want some dirt on Mark and Terry. That's what I'm looking for. Pardon the pun. <laughs> you're
1: going to have a tough time because the problem with me throwing dirt off on Mark, especially, is that he has as much of more on me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, let's no move. Dirt.
5: No dirt here. Hey, Hey, I was wanting to ask if you guys uh, walk some of these people through when it comes to possibly, uh, you know, sources of revenue that are within the parcel of property, whether it be the timber value, whether it be the farming, you know, the agriculture tillable value, or whether it would be leasing out maybe the hunting rights for one firearms hunt or the archery hunting or, or something of that nature. Do you point that out on certain parcels or do guys get inquisitive of that and ask those types of questions on how they might make this work from a revenue standpoint?
3: That, absolutely. Of course, you know, in the southeast, timber is such a huge, huge component, right? There. Right. Yeah. right there, and, you know, not just short term revenue, but potential long term cash flowing over for a long period of time. And then you get to other parts of the country where. You know, the ag part, CRP payments, there's so many different uh, revenue sources right there. Mineral mm-hmm. rights, you know, easements, conservation easements and different things. So that's the, the advantage of dealing with a qualified mm-hmm. real estate broker or agent is our folks. They're really educated to those whatever in that part of the country that applies. They're educated to the potential for whatever those income, income sources may be.
1: One thing that's overlooked, Terry, is that um, so much as you know, you, you, you hear it, you're talking about a property and you are talking about stuff. And we talk, we talk to that audience that would buy their own hunting place. And we kind of get myopic about that sometimes. And one of the best target audiences for a great hunting place is just an investor. Because if you look at all the things Chris talked about, and then you lay on top of that are pretty expensive hunting links. It's got a great return potential, yes. and we've had some of our agents do a really good job selling some farms to investors because they had farm income, they had some timber income. There's actually other things that I mean, there's so many different, depending on what part of the country, but you lay on top of that a pretty expensive per acre hunting lease, and you've got a great stable, uh, you know, investment potential. And so I think that some of our agents do a little better job of that than a lot of other agents that are just. Selling hunt, 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 hunt. This place is a great place to hunt. Yeah, but what they lose sight of, there's a more holistic return on having a great hunting place than simply go hunt it yourself. And there's a, a uh, an investment alone. And that that even brings a lot of other people with wealth into looking at your place.
5: It's a great point. I, I will say that a lot of a lot of parcels that we have looked at over the years, and, and it's a little different now than it was back in the day. But because interest is so low right now, that you can get real close to either cash flow neutral or cash flow positive, depending on how much research you do and how you know the type of uh, parcel that you're looking at. But boy, boy, those are those opportunities are out there. It just takes a little bit of extra homework trying to turn that into a cash flow positive or cash flow neutral where all of a sudden it's servicing the debt and you kind of let uh, time be the appreciator and all of a sudden the value of the real estate appreciates and you can turn around and flip that parcel if you start out with a really, really small one, whether it's 20, 30, 50 acres or something like that and then spin it into a little bit bigger parcel over time. So, uh, you know, if, if somebody really does their homework and they look at it, you know, from a, from a mathematical standpoint,
3: it's, it's uh, time well spent.
4: Great points for sure.
3: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was in the business when interest rates were twelve or fifteen percent. Yeah, and that makes decisions pretty hard. Then, as far as land, we I don't know that we've ever seen a for a long period of time when interest rates have been so low as it is right now. That it makes it so attractive and so much easier to be able to buy your own, your own property.
5: And it sounds like the Fed is is taking this out for another two years or so, from what we've heard. So that's yeah, pretty encouraging that they're going to keep these interest rates yeah. the prime
1: rate will stay down for a little while. Yeah, they pretty, they pretty much have to right now. Yeah.
4: One thing's for sure: today's buyer is much more educated. Just all the points that were made within this podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. when when we first started buying land, none of that was on our radar, man. We just wanted a place to go hunting. But as as the market as the market has evolved, so has the buyer, and they're very very mature. And you you know, if you look at the listings, you know, through Mossy Oak Properties or any of the realtors out there, they'll list out what the return is and what the potential is. So you know, but uh, to Terry's point, you got a couple in with that. The appreciation you're going to see through time, which they just, they just don't go down. I mean, yeah. plain and simple. I've never bought a piece of property that wasn't worth more literally in a few months mm. than went, than the day I bought it. <laughs> and you give that, you run that out three, four, five years. It's incredible the return you can get on them.
0: Nice.
2: I think a lot of guys need to be sharing this podcast with their spouses. (laughs) Let's get everyone on board here.
5: Yeah, it's not hard to convince your buddies, but it's always hard to convince your wife. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep.
2: Yep. Well, how about we hop into some of those
4: those historical stories? I think Chris would have to lead that conversation. Did you catch he was living in an apartment when he bought his first piece of property? That's really something. That was an awesome part of the story there.
1: So I'll throw you one out because everybody knows me as like loving all this and being all about the dirt. And uh, the first place I actually physically bought myself was was together with him. And actually my father and his father, well, four of us went, you know, to your story about going in together. And it still is today. And Mark, you've been there a couple of times. It is our family centerpiece place now. Uh, But it all started like in 1990. He found a place that came up for sale not far from where they live and uh we all went in together and bought it and that was my first moment to leave the lawyer's office and walk out there and grab a handful of that dirt and just kind of say a prayer and i'm so overwhelmed with gratitude you know i never thought it would happen honestly you know i did grow up on a farm and daddy on some land but i never thought i'd really be able to do that and so uh
3: jerry you mentioned um uh you know, studying cash flows and everything before you buy a property. Back then, we just didn't know. So what we did, we just bought a piece of property and then tried to figure it out later. Yep. You know? <laughs>
5: that's what we did. Same thing we did. <laughs> hey, kudos so, to you guys for, for enduring the test of time. It says something about the people, you know, and the heart within and how you have been able to manage that piece of property and you're still together, work together on a daily basis, still hunt together. I think that's uh, commendable.
1: You know, um, that's one of the most – I talked about that early in this uh, broadcast here, is the things that matter the most, may not be the biggest or so, is the things that stand the test of time. And, you know, they were meant to be. But that relationship with the families and all, it's – you know, it becomes such a point of security for you, such a point of emphasis. But it also lets you be so much confidence in the rest of the world. I mean – Literally, I know y'all know this between us and the dreary Outdoors in the relationship with Mossy Oak and the Hayes family. It's like, it lets us take on the trials and tribulations of the rest of the world a little bit better because we know we're so secure in that relationship. is going to always be there. And whether it's, Honestly, you know, all the time we go to back for each other the same way we do. It's just, I don't know how to, we're sitting here kind of bragging about it, but I want to point it out as an example to other people uh, of uh, what really matters in life. And, you know, we can, how do we know these things? Well, I guess we messed it up enough over the years with some other ones. We know what's most important to us out there. And, I, you know, a part of that whole equation is having that security of having your own dirt somewhere, too. It, there's, It's kind of hard to put into words unless you've experienced it, you know. But so many people just say well, they went ahead and took the plunge and they found a place and it just changed their life and changed their family's life.
4: You know, the other thing I find with, with land ownership is, When you meet another landowner, the conversation just never ends Mm. about comparing what they're doing in terms of habitat management, resource management. You know, I I could sit and talk to Toxie all day long about his trapping efforts in order to help his turkey, you know, nest predation, that type of stuff. So you Mm -hmm. learn so much from other people that are like minded and also own property. It's really a a cool experience when you talk to another landowner, particularly from another geographic location Mm -hmm. or from another state. That's one thing that I really enjoy is comparing notes.
0: It's a lot of the do's and don'ts. Like somebody's already made a lot of mistakes. So everybody that gets to come after them kind of gets to capitalize and maybe, Cut straight to the line instead of having to make a lot of the mistakes so that somebody before them might have. Absolutely.
1: And what Mark said reminds me too uh, there's a phenomenon in owning dirt. And again, could be four acres, could be 40, could be more. But no matter how much work you get done, I mean, I know Marcus and Terry Boba, especially Mark. So don't get mad at me anal about your property management. You know, that's true. It's like I've got a plan. every detail's mapped out. I've got it organized. We go to the nines. That's why y'all have such great places. But no matter what I'm getting at is no matter how much you do and you've got a list for the year and you're organized and you've got everything detailed, there's always something to do. No matter how much you get accomplished and no matter what you get done, there's always something to do. It's like a gift actually that keeps on giving. It's not like it's a burden on you. It's almost like your therapy to get out and work on your place. And there's always something. It's amazing. It's almost like Jesus breaking the bread. It's like no, no matter how much work I get done, when I get done, there's there's more work than when I started. You know, <laughs> so there's always something to do. And I said, all oh, i being a gamekeeper today is actually just like a sport, like basketball or football or bow hunting. You know, it's my favorite pastime.
5: You know, Toxie, I find it along with that. It's very therapeutic. But I find it humbling when I'm there and such a debt of gratitude to be able to enjoy it, you know, because we are here for a very, very brief period of time. But how lucky we are to be able to set foot on it and enjoy it while we're here. I find it humbling, you know, and we all think that we have the best piece of dirt on Earth, you know, and uh, it's just there's a a certain debt of gratitude that we have as well to be able to occupy it for a brief period of time.
1: Man, you hit the nail on the head Terry. I couldn't have said it better.
3: Yeah, and until yeah, you, I think t- everything going on in the country right now—that just there's a big exclamation mark on what
1: you just said. Big time.
4: and, and unt- until you mow about 200 yards in a straight line and turn around and look at that line, you don't know what real therapy is. That's there's just, right. There's something about mowing when it's straight; it feels so good.
1: <laughs> we have it's almost like a psychology uh, comment, but it's like you know. What to do when you've had a a period of high anxiety? Go get some tractor time.
4: Big time,
0: big time. First,
5: first,
1: you have to make sure the battery's not dead,
5: the tires not flat, the (laughs) hoses aren't busted. Yeah, you don't have a hydraulic leak. The oil, oh my
1: gosh, changed. Everyday maintenance. Everything's greased. Yes. Now you talk about trial and error. Now,
3: yeah,
4: (laughs) yeah.
2: How, how about mistakes? Mm-hmm. Like if someone buys a piece of property, what do you, what are they, what do people typically want to rush into and maybe get the cart ahead of the horse or
4: what what does a new property owner have to be careful about?
5: That's a good question. I,
4: I, I think the, the biggest thing is how you treat your neighbors out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's one of the things that I found when I buy a piece of property, I try to get to know them, mm-hmm. you know, find out what their likes and dislikes are and don't come in and try to be king mm-hmm. of the block. I mean, it's the worst mistake you can make because you're the new kid on the block and you don't want to go and, you know, well, you need to pass this deer and you need to do that. Everybody's got their own set of goals and aspirations for their farm. So make sure you understand you don't control other people's property. You mm-hmm. just you just have control over yours. So don't go in there and uh, piss everybody off to start, to start the relationship, putting it lightly. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds wise. That's a uh,
1: great idea. I mean, counsel. that's a great comment, actually, Mark. A great comment. Most people wouldn't have thought said that but I couldn't agree more that might be your top priority because you know especially the wildlife is so productive in your part of the world uh you can have man you might 40 acres might be unbelievable hunting but it's only that because you had the cooperation of all the surrounding people and kind of like Mark said you don't want to be in their face about it but kind of always say I'm not preaching to them I'm just kind of shining the light helping them see what they could do, you know, maybe to get better, make improvements so forth. And if you're all in it together, I mean, you can have the net effect of 400 acres on 40, but it starts with getting a good relationship with your neighbors.
4: Big time. Mm-hmm. I've made good friends with new neighbors, in all honesty, several actually. Yeah. Because more often than not, they're good people, and if you treat them right, they're going to treat you right in return. And sure. and and also, make sure you're always happy for that neighbor when when they kill a deer or a mm, turkey, whatever yeah. it is, you know, because we all share the wildlife. It's one of the things about hunting in the wild. When they succeed, make sure you're the first one to send them a text and say, way to go. That's awesome. Yeah, That, that stuff goes a long way. And and be it's truly good. happy about it, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you, you all took part in, you know, that animal may bet on you, feed on you, water on you, whatever, but they, if they end up up pulling the trigger on it or or killing it with a bow, whatever it is, you know, Let's all share in the success of the neighborhood.
0: You're not going to kill them all.
4: No, you know, and good for them. (laughs) They're out there doing the same thing you're doing. So you can't get selfish with wildlife. That's for sure.
0: That's one thing we see a A lot. lot. You see it this
4: day and age. People get really edgy over big deer and you don't need to be that way.
0: I I think it's because you build a relationship in your mind when you get these pictures, the trail cam pictures and you obsess over it it's it's your deer and it isn't. I mean, it's free range. They go anywhere they want. And that's the reality of it. Yeah. They take possession through pictures. Is yeah. exactly what happens yeah
1: they do you know i remind people i remind myself i mean you know uh, and he made a great point about it. you got the pictures that's my deer we've got that we grew this deer we got this 172 you know or this you know drop time uh 12 point blah 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 we we, we in our mind we take possession but the truth of the matter and i think you're you'll have more fun just be at peace with it ahead of time god knows i've struggled with it i know y'all have but when that deer steps across the property, he is not your deer anymore. No matter if you raised him all year and he chased the doe onto a neighbor and they killed him, I know it may break your heart, but you need to go ahead and be at peace with that ahead of time. When he steps off your place, he is not your deer. And honestly, you'll just have more fun in the whole process of having him. Now, you know, admittedly, it may break your heart. Maybe you work hard to make sure he doesn't leave by you know, having a place he doesn't want to leave, whether you've got bedding and water and cover and food and everything they need, but Great point. Just get it straight in your mind ahead of time. It's not my deer anymore. And it's not my neighbor's deer anymore when he steps on my place. Mm.
5: Yeah, you know, was- I have found over over the t- period of time that it, it's rather cyclic. And it's almost as if everybody gets a turn. Mm-hmm. Like yes. you can kill a big deer one year and then Take the neighbor the kills on one the next year. And then the next neighbor kills one the following year. And it just seems to kind of mother nature has a way of working its way out, you know, and everybody gets their turn. Is the way it would, uh, would appear. So yes. it's about
4: to be my turn. And ma- like. Mother Nature always gets her turn when EHD strikes. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah.
5: That's mm. another story. Yeah. yeah.
0: A whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, D- Toxie, I- I'd i love to know what, you know, looking back over the 35 years or so that you've been in business, you know, it's you guys, it's a, the classic line is a fistful of dirt is kind of what made your obsession with everything. But what were some of the most instrumental things? in your life that, that moved you towards really creating this movement and, and Moss yoke and being a gamekeeper. And what, what were some of the instrumental things early on that helped you get your footing and and go down this path? Because everybody now might see, Hey, this is a huge company, but everybody had a beginning. Everybody's Mm -hmm. story starts somewhere. I'd love to hear a little bit about yours.
1: Uh, You know, that's a very, very, very tough question. Um, so I don't know. I, I get reflective as I get older and I look back. I mean, for one, we talked about a lot of this stuff we give a lot of advice and people's how'd you learn all that? i was like, well, it's kind of like a lot of things. If you, you know, you screw it up enough, you'll learn from it. If it. And I say all the time, if you put your hand on a red hot stove enough times, you'll, you'll, you'll quit doing that. <laughs> so I look back and, and I guess, um, the one thing I learned and I, it, in more recent years, if I get interviewed by it, I try to, I try to say this because I find it to be true in my case and it's kind of deeply personal. But also, you know, I could give somebody starting out of life a little earlier, some advice on what to look at is like the most valuable thing I ever got was people believing in me. So if, how I made it off the ground was, you know, I ran into Bill Sub and I ran into Bob Dixon and I ran into Ronnie Cuzz Strickland and subsequently others. And honestly, at a very early age in our company, I ran into Mark Dury and then I ran into Terry Dury. And they believed in what we were doing. They believed in Marcio, the Camo, They believed in me as a person. And so, you know, that even started before that. Uh, and Mark and I used to talk about the Ralph and Fox rule about things. But, you know, uh, Ralph believed in y'all. and Fox believed in me. So I think the thing that I would look at the big picture of life is that when you believe in somebody and you're sincere about it, you give them such a bigger gift than would meet the eye. And so the only reason we ever got anywhere because people believed in us, and then more people believed in us. And, uh, you know, where retailers began, and Mark, you saw it, you were a pioneer up there. You saw people more and more begin to believe in me. And if you, and Terry touched on the heart of gratitude, if you have a heart of gratitude for that, then it builds. And if you, you know, if you have a heart of self insist about that, you'll kill it. And so I just, I don't know how it, this all happened. Except that it gave me the confidence to keep growing and doing and reaching for new things. And just a lot of these businesses we're in were actually just kind of like, you know, hobbies gone wild for me. It's things I love and I thought brought a better, fuller life for me and our team and our people. And, you know, you know, y'all. And they became Businesses And lo and behold, they became a value add for other people in their life. So is there a one thing and a one moment in the story? I mean, the fistful of dirt story is simply because an ad agency early on heard my story about going to the textile mill and actually using nature's colors to get the colors right because I was real frustrated with using like a color chart with numbers. And I literally had little baggies of dirt, and I stopped to pick green leaves when well, we did green leaf. I'd like pick some green leaves like a half a mile from the textile mill so they were fresh and the color was right. And so they thought that was such a cool story. They came up with that ad campaign. A fistful of dirt started a revolution. And so it's just ironic that the symbol for owning your own place is that fistful of dirt, too. Hmm. Yeah, that, so I don't know. That, I did, that, you know, uh, more important than the success. I would say we had a – actually, we have a a kind of a devotional here Bobby has on Wednesday mornings. I was sitting in there talking about all this stuff. But, you know, part of his – yesterday, his little sermon was on success and how to create success out of tough times or failure. But what we talked about, too, was defining your own success, and I think that's real important. Don't let the rest of the world and compare yourself to someone else define your success. I mean, you can always be miserable looking at the neighbor who has a better place with bigger deer and be miserable, or you could just be grateful like Terry talked about, and have that heart of gratitude for having your own place, and you get a great life every day by having gratitude, and so I just feel like that the whole Mossy brand is not me, and that's why I don't even like being on stuff sometimes. It's everybody involved. It's y'all's brand. It's his brand. It's all these consumers who believe in us out there, and so our biggest job is to continue to help everybody get a great life out of our time here and be sure that we're sincere and authentic and giving them something to believe in. So, you know, when I focus on that, all the other things fall into place. How about it? It does make sense.
4: It makes perfect sense to me. And I've always said Toxie was one of the best public speakers I've ever listened to. Hmm. And if you, listen to his know, if you listen to his incredibly wise answer, he said, I'm reflective as I, as I age here. And he talked about people believing in him. Well, we certainly believed in you. And I always, one of my favorite times each year was when we had our national salesman meeting and Toxie was going to speak. I couldn't Mm -hmm. wait to sit there and listen to every word that came out of his mouth. And I've listened to him a hundred times in my life and every one gets more and more enjoyable for me. And if you just hear the wisdom that came out of him right there, you wonder why people believe in you. It's because you you are wise beyond your years and you have been that way. You've had that gift since you were very, very young. So you, you have no idea what a mentor you've been to myself and Terry. And, and likewise to Matt and Taylor and everyone within our organization. So I want to say that, say thank you publicly to you.
1: I appreciate that. It means a lot. And uh, honestly, the only reason that happens is because you guys inspire and teach me to really. And I, that's one reason why I go overboard. I'm kind of redundant. I talk about You know, I, I run into people and, you know, they're big fans of y'all. and say, do you know how long I've known Mark and Terry? You know, do you know how far back that goes? You know, I'm just so proud of that. I want people to know. What a big influence you have been, and or you both of y'all have been on us. Uh, so they know when they see that mossy oak, kind of like if you remember speaking at Bob Dixon's funeral. I want to be sure they knew that if it, when they see that logo out there, that literally it might not be there. It certainly wouldn't be near what it is today if he hadn't been here. And I just want to be sure that the people that you, Bob, that you know that that logo is a, a, a tribute to him. But it's the same effect. You think about what all the the bricks in the wall that you guys have put in there for us. It wouldn't be that today. And so I'm saying that because if I could teach people anything that I've learned by by screwing it up, it's like when you're not grateful, when you don't look for the gratitude in every situation, even the hard times. I've learned to be grateful for as they taught me more than anything. If you can live life with that gratitude, things just come to you almost like magic. And when you don't you're miserable. And, you know, be sure people understand what a huge component more than any group out there of the Mossier brand that Drew East and Drew Outdoors is.
0: Bless you. We love you, brother.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. For, Absolutely. Before we uh, shut her down, I got to have at least one. Is there a turkey story? Is there okay, something? I okay. I got it. I, I got it. I know what it is.
1: I got it. I got it. First <laughs> trip up. Uh, Mark's all excited. We're going. I'm coming up there, and I think I can't remember. Maybe it was the next year after you stayed at the house. No,
4: it was spring of '89. It was that year.
1: '89. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was that year. So he is like mm-hmm. wearing me out. Come up here, uh, you know, come stay with me. Go ten. and I was so excited. I hadn't traveled much. And then I'm up there, and he's he gets up there, and he's racing his turkey that's gone gobbled like a hundred times on the limb. And so he can't sleep. He doesn't sleep all night. He gets up that morning, and He's throwing up, You I mean, you can see the English bees from the, the <laughs> night before in the yard. He's throwing up in the yard. He's so nervous about taking me there. I was like, oh my gosh, you need to get a grip. And he's like, I do it every time. I, throw a I get so nervous. So he's literally so nervous. And we get ready to go. He said, hey, my brother Terry's going to go with us too. I said, that's great. He just wants to watch. He just wants to watch. He had not been turkeying much because we're just getting into this. And said, well, well, he he, he, he hadn't killed one yet. There. Yeah. Get it. So anyway, this is that's the dirt on Mark is how nervous he got about stuff back then. But literally Terry's sitting there with just happened to be sitting behind the tree watching with his gun. The turkey makes a loop all the way around it, and Terry kills his first turkey when I'm there with it. Yeah.
3: Whatever, know, 30 right? something years yeah. ago.
1: And yeah. I've always had that, like I helped with you know, it was ninety percent <laughs> Mark, I promise you. But that turkey and all, you know, for some reason and he was so hooked. I mean, he was kinda of wanting to get into it anyway. But he was so hooked from like day one.
5: And you know what, Toxie? I use that same story to convey to people that how long our relationship goes back. I always tell yes. tell people that you were with us the day I killed my very first t- turkey, my spring gobbler. You were there alongside of me. And I shot it right out from under you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like did Toxie end up
1: killing on that hunt?
4: Uh, he did not. <laughs> oh, he did not. What a guess. Come up, I, I mean, what, we,
1: were. what a we went. Oh. If I remember right, we went late. We went later that day to another place, and turkeys were gobbling off both sides of a ridge. And Mark's like, "Yeah, that one's burning up. You go after him." And me and Terry would just go over here, and like ten minutes later, boom! Mark did <laughs> <laughs> it.
4: We both killed. Toxy went back to West Point. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> when can, well, can I'm we come
1: back? Yeah, I've returned that favor subsequent so. years. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, that was some great time. I'm it, telling you.
4: It, interestingly enough, that story runs deeper than that. Terry's house now sits right where that right where that gobbler was killed, or within a yeah. few few yards of it. So oh, yeah. those, oh, wow. those roots are deep. <laughs> oh. His house sits right there. It's
1: yes. Okay, I got one more on that trip that I just remembered, and so that taught me how. It goes back to when you go to Terry or Mark's farm, but I'm going to pick on Mark probably. It's got to be only y'all know when I'm saying Mark's words about being so anal about every detail of your wildlife. I don't know. (laughs) So we're driving back across the pasture and this is a big, like if I remember right, like a hundred and something acre giant pasture, like middle of the morning, in an old pickup, and I think it was maybe your Uncle Marvin's place or something. It was And Martin's. I actually just kind of pick up the box call off the dash that was laying there and yelp a few times as we're riding across the pasture in the middle of the day. And Mark's like, don't! Don't get my turkey spooked from calling. <laughs> Mark, we're in a pickup. He said, I don't care where it is. When you're on your place, you do not call unless you're down, sitting by a tree. Calling to a turkey. He just looked at me I like, <laughs> I was like, wow. You man. still do that. Psychotic. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. In principle, he's right. I've learned that, you know, people that are so careless about stuff don't have near the the wildlife. But I, from day one, he was so meticulous, is actually a better word, about every detail that I was, that's what made it work, uh, not only on his place, but when he took off selling horse and everything else in business.
0: Well, some things never change.
1: Yeah, I, say, I bet you've not been—you've been on the receiving end of that a few times. Many times. Right.
4: Matt doesn't hunt with either of us anymore. No, right?
1: no, I can't tell you the last time Mark and I
0: got a hunt together. I filmed him one. Well, I filmed him a couple times early on when I started working here, and I made a really major mistake. The mule deer hunt. I, the mule deer hunt in Colorado. I just so happened to film about a two-year-old when Mark (laughs) shot, shot his mule deer. And I said, I think you missed him. And he's like, what? (laughs) I was filming the wrong one. It's the first time I had ever seen a mule deer. And uh, I've never filmed him since Happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 15 years ago. I was just going to say one thing's made it work for us. I think that when I go up there, I just kind of surrender. It's like, it's their, their way. I don't even provide a lot of input or anything. When they just come down here, it's been the same. It's just like, you know, we'll do it your way, and I think it makes it a lot easier. Otherwise, I think we might be we might be in each other's throat, whether <laughs> to get up or call again or sit down and move. You know, uh, like hunting buddies do. But it's always been, you know, it's pretty been pretty easy.
4: It's very easy. Guide guide. Really easy.
5: Well, just we'll make sure hey, that I we. Wanna add, I want to add one thing, Toxie. You you know you talked about believability and people believing in you and and believing in us and what have you. I, I still think that uh, the way we go through life, so much of it is attributable to our parents and how we were raised. You know, you oh, talked yeah. about Fox and Ralph rules, you know, we're, we're so blessed to have the parents that we have and have had that, oh, that uh, I think that has so much to do. And we don't realize that as we're growing up, the influence that they have, and they're still influencing us, you know, in everyday decisions. But I certainly believe that that's a big, big part of of how we got to where we are today is how we were how we were raised as as youngsters.
4: Amen, brother.
1: Oh, Amen. no question about it. No I don't think we can it. say anything I mean, more. I, I, I don't even know say. what to say sometimes. I'm so grateful about all that. I'm so fortunate. All of us here.
4: Big time. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, Toxi and uh, Chris, thank you so much for hopping on. We really
0: appreciate it. Big time. Chris, if anybody, I think we covered it, but if they want to learn more about you guys, where do they need to head to?
3: Well, yeah, Matt, the easiest thing is for them to go, you know, on our website, com. There'll be, you know, they can go to an office, pick an agent. If they're looking in a particular uh, area right there, that would be the best place to start. So obviously, and then, you know, they can call us here at com. I mean, and, and call us at the office, um, our number will be there from a corporate standpoint. We'll be glad
1: to direct them, you know, to a particular location or a piece of property. Awesome. Very yeah, good. I want to add too that. What they'll find is that uh, that Montseo Properties Network across the whole United States now is like a big family too. They're uh, obviously not quite like, you know, the closest thing we have out there is you guys, but they are like a big family. And you'll see that that's one of the things that gets lost in today's real estate world is someone You can really trust and actually become your friend that really give you good advice and work with you. Uh, And that's what family does. So um, I would encourage people if they have any interest at all, to not just uh, look at the website. Maybe that's a good way to go shopping and so forth, but pick up the phone and establish a relationship with someone and you get a new friend in the process. To, To your point,
5: guys, I cannot say enough good things about Brad Morrison. He's been phenomenal. Truly, All truly. But the yeah. you know, contacts we've had here recently, he's he's genuine, authentic, and just a really, really uh, nice man. So anyone wanting to reach out in the Midwest, I would highly, highly encourage them and recommend speaking with Brad. He's been phenomenal. Awesome. Great guy.
3: Good yeah, deal. Perfect. Very much, you're, love Yeah, you know, You're right. Okay. and of course if you want
0: to find anything else out about moss yoke mossyoke.com and their their app mossyoke go you can catch yeah. all kinds of awesome content they had a great spring block live block during turkey season i know that they've been doing live music and i think they have a live fishing block here during the summer yeah. and i'm pretty sure we're going to be doing some cool stuff together in the fall for their uh, deer block so definitely check out mossyoke go and and uh check out the, the app. pretty awesome
2: And the Mossy Oak Parade continues next week when we have Cuz Strickland on the show. Be sure you tune in for that, folks. We're
0: talking about their new podcast, Fistful of Dirt. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to it. Play that new Toby Keith song, What's Up, Cuz, for him.
4: Okay. (laughs) I heard it on the radio the the other day and I took a picture of it and sent it to him because I was like, Man, this is perfect intro for cuz What's (laughs) up, cuz? (laughs) All right. Don't get him
1: started talking about hey, don't get him started talking about his farm, or you'll take up a whole (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's right. All right. well, thanks. we appreciate you guys joining us, and, and thanks to all the listeners out there. Of course, if you uh, want to listen to any more of the podcast, there's about 161 other ones. So check us out over on DeerCast.com, and we'd love to have you join in for a few other episodes. All right.
1: See hey, thanks. Hey, this thanks. has been great to do it, it, has been fun. it via Zoom, because we don't get to see you all enough. We love you guys. Appreciate everything, and uh, let's go get them. All I right
0: love to you love all. It. Thank you. Thanks, thanks guys. Beth. Peace out.
1: See you guys. Thank you. Peace out.